Hey, LA football fans, the Left Coasters here. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. And I am Tony. And if you enjoy the three of us bantering over NFL football, please feel free to give us a like on SoundCloud. Head to Apple Podcasts and give us a review and help this podcast grow. You can also find us at theleftcoasterspodcast.com. And guys, get ready for a show. Welcome, everyone, to the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, and we would all be remiss if we did not start this week with a little bit of music. As you know, we are three gentlemen that chose two years ago to cover the new hometown team of the Los Angeles Rams. They went from the shittiest shitball of a shit team last year to an 11-5 record, the number one scoring offense in the league, the NFC West crown, and hosting the first playoff game in the city of Los Angeles since 1985. The reason you hear this music behind you is because it all came to an end this past Saturday night. The Rams lost to the Falcons. They were beat by a better team. And now they face an uncertain free agency period. So Dangles, Brian, let us talk about the Rams and let us put a cap on what was truly a wonderful season. Wonderful season. I'm happy to be sitting here being able to talk about it this way with you guys now because 11-5, and five, a division championship, and the respect of all of the NFL teams, or at least everyone they played this yes. year, not only yes. on the field but in the coaching staff as well, particularly Sean McVay. I mean, coming into it now, you have questions about Gurley erased, questions about Goff erased, questions about is McVay ready for this role erased. This team answered all these questions with a fervor, and they just could not do it against the Atlanta Falcons. Brian, you watched that game, man. What happened? Oh, man. I, you got to just first and foremost say that no one person lost this game uh, other than Farrell Cooper for the Rams. I think everybody played their best ball. I think Jared Goff did a really nice job. Zero turnovers. Jared Goff, to me, was the star of that game. He looked so calm, cool, and collected. Like He kind of had to be, though. I mean, he they only was rushed, a stud. They only rushed Gurley 14 times. I mean, that was a pretty big departure for them from the running game. And when you're putting that much uh, you know, on your rookie, well, second-year quarterback's shoulders in his first-ever playoff start game, let alone. He did. You know, so well. that it was very good. It was a great performance for your first and the time. Stats, the stats are not going to back it up, especially his accuracy uh, and completion percentage, because there were a handful of drops in that game. From every wide receiver and running back on the team, they were drops. It weren't just Jared Goff, Blake Bortlesingham, you know, missing Cooper people. Cooper Cup dropped a couple he big put it ones. in the hands. And Jared Goff made a bunch of third and long throws across the sticks for completations to keep the drives moving. I thought, Jared Goff, you're going away very happy with your quarterback. What we 
missed, though, was the clutch play. They were, I believe it was one for three on fourth downs. Mm. Uh, they actually, one of the keys last week that we talked about, them needing to do well, and they did, third town efficiency. But unfortunately, they were one for four in the red zone. That's going to lose those tight games, and Atlanta played such a tight game. We said in the beginning you need to match Atlanta seven for seven every time, and you can't go one for four in the red zone and hope to win that can't game. Can't exchange field goals for touchdowns. It's no, just that's not, not against not, Atlanta. Not no. in the playoffs, no, not yeah. against a good team, and unfortunately the special teams did them in a little bit. That was tough. That was, that tough. was tough. That was really, really tough. But you saw there you saw the, the, the young Farrow Cooper not stepping up, but that's that's something they're gonna learn over time. I think you also gotta put a little bit of the blame on the defense as well, because I mean anytime oh, you let I anytime don't. you let really you don't put no. any blame on the defense at all. No, anytime you let 20, up twenty six points, but even th- at the think, fa- even at the Falcons. And think about where they got the ball. How many times did they get the ball short? And with not a lot of yards to go. Like, the defense was put in a tough space a lot because of those special teams' kerfuffles. I don't blame the defense. What I do blame a little bit is that play calling. In fact, you only rushed 14 rushes for Todd Gurley. That's my biggest issue with the game. They lost the coaching battle. I understand you were down at points, but you need to rush the best player on your team, Gurley, a hell of a lot more than you did. 14 rushes, and he had a good average. Can't do that. You can't do that. They were so well-schemed against the... LA Rams uh on third down and and big plays they straight up said we're gonna we're gonna man you up and we're gonna make those tight windows even tighter it just seemed like every opportunity that the Rams had really felt like they were this is okay this is the time this is when they're gonna make that big play this is when they're gonna we're gonna get the momentum it It never happened and you just looked to the sidelines and you looked at Sean McVay who kind of looked like he didn't have an answer and I really think he got out coached I think so too now I have I have a question for you guys and I'm fishing for the answer here do you think the offense looked a little bit stale or a little bit you know not quite ready to go once those lights hit, once that ball was kicked off, a little bit, uh, maybe, and maybe it was just being starstruck. You know, it's it's the playoffs. It's 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 L.A. I I mean, we talked. You know, I talked last week about how I was excited to see Jared under the lights. Yes. Maybe maybe I maybe we underestimated a little bit just how much that would have an effect on their play. Do you think it's because this staleness, this not ready to get out and go, had anything to do with them not playing in Week 17? No, I don't. Well, think as that, I said, I don't <laughs> think that has anything. I don't think that. That has any? It, I mean, it, how I don't would think you be that able to? It prove plays that. a major role. No, yeah. No, how you would cannot, you prove? That? You cannot prove that. But if this offense keeps chugging against San Fran and they just don't have any week off and they just now they're going up against Atlanta, another game, another game on the schedule for them. Instead, you had a miscellaneous bye week for half of your offense, and the offense came out stale as hell, scored thirteen points. The, I I just really also think they got out coached. I think uh, the current time of possession was thirty-seven to twenty-two. For the Falcons. Uh, for the Falcons. Yeah. That's a huge, huge yeah. shrunkage. And it just felt like the defense was on the field all the time. And I think if you give Matt Ryan enough to opportunities, uh, and Sarkeesian, I think this was Sarkeesian's coming out moment. I think everybody at, in, after this game went, okay, it's, it's, Sark knows what he's up to. And, yeah. and this is and this is Atlanta's. I still think I he's mean, an idiot. I don't, I don't think, yeah, I don't think that has, I don't think that that win had as much to do with Sark as it did with Matt Ryan. Steve just Sarkeesian being, being the offensive coordinator yeah, for, for Atlanta. For, exactly. There uh, were o- wide open players. I there, think, were, there was well, there was well picked up blocks i never felt like aaron donald or any of those major defensive players took over the t- the game I, I they were always accounted for i think i think matt ryan took that game over ultimately as well i think that well. was i think that was uh, that was him i think now he's he's like okay we made it into the playoffs i think the falcons have one thing on their mind this year and that's getting back to the super bowl and playing new england and getting a shot at redemption and they got a game I, against philly I really which do. we will break down when we get to the saturday games we also have the sunday games after that we got games coming up but first guys i want to put a cap on this rant 
Rams season because sadly we will not be talking about them anymore, at least until the offseason when we will diagram what they need to do to make it past the first round of the playoffs. But we asked this about the Chargers last week. Going into this season, what you expected the Rams to be into what they became, what would you grade the Rams? Dangles. I mean, based on what I thought they were going to be, I got to give them like an A minus. I mean, that's, you know, they, I I expected them to finish this season out at like a hard C. And, and the fact that they were able to put up the top scoring offense in the NFL and score 30 points a game with a rookie head coach, a running back who'd had a crummy season the year, a year before, and a quarterback who'd done the exact same thing. You know, you may have a a kingmaker here in Sean McVay. We'll have to see. I, I, I don't know. But um, I definitely I give them an A minus defensively. They played solidly all season long. Aaron Donald is a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. I think he should be anyway. And I think this team has a, and they have the best special teams unit in the NFL. When Greg Zerline comes back next year, I think they have a lot to look forward to. Brad guy, grade me. I give him an A. I mean, if I was the biggest critic of Jared Goff going into this season um, because he had Carson Wentz compared to uh, him coming out of the draft. So for me, it was just really about him living up to some form of a first round overall, first overall pick expectation. He blew past it. I not only see the the talent, but I see that this kid's going to be somebody that isn't just gonna get, isn't just gonna be good all the time. He's got he, there's there's potential for him to be great. And you got to give a lot of credit to Sean McVay. I think we just needed him just to f- feel like they could work together. Yeah, they not only I, yeah, they not, work together. Not only they work together, he's going to they're gonna be a pair, a duo that we're gonna be talking about for a long time, and that deserves a great deal of credit. A for the and, A for that. And team. I mean, and now and I think it turns to the GM less need in terms of doing doing his part. The Rams did their part on the field. Now the front office yes. needs to do their part in yeah. the draft they have and some getting holes. them some help. They definitely have and, some. And they holes. have the 23rd overall pick. That is a different draft strategy than they what they've been used to doing yes. in the last five six years drafting now, early. Tony, what's your grade? I was going to give them an A minus to agree with you. I would give them an A or even an A plus if they had won a playoff game. Because that would have just capped it completely. I think my expectations were so low to just even get into the playoffs. Was yeah, you're an A minus. You won the division. You did a to have a home game, home home game, home game in in the the Coliseum, man, in the Coliseum. And those shots of L.A. were beautiful. If you saw that telecast, they always do the shots of you know like oh, leading in from the commercial break, they do a shot of a famous part of the city. Every time they shot something of L.A., I felt proud. I did. I was like, that's my city. And they're on track once that that stadium opens. Oh, can't wait. They're gonna have a team with can't wait. Set of wheels. Before we before we move on, and to, I can't wait. And we got a free agency and a draft uh, episode to all do everything. But real quick about the free agency stuff, would you want to re-sign Sammy Watkins? Uh, I'm not so sure that I would. He wasn't a major contributor to the team this year. Big no for me. I, I, I'd say give it to someone else. You need that threat. You need that Sammy Watkins threat. He did not fit the bill. All right, moving on. Uh, we do have one hole already in this Rams team, and that is the quarterback's coach. The quarterback coach of Jared Goff, his second in two years, has been poached to become the offensive coordinator of the Oakland Raiders. Greg Olson was uh, picked to be the offensive coordinator of the Oakland Raiders by the new head coach, John Gruden. John Gruden's come back into the AFC West to play our Los Angeles Chargers twice a year to coach Derek Carr with his new OC, Greg Olson, the man who coached Jared Goff this past year. So, what's up with Gruden, guys? Are you happy? Are you concerned? Do you think Gruden's going to have an impact? Has the game passed him by? Really quick, your thoughts on Johnny G becoming one of the richest coaches in NFL history at 10 years, $100 million reported. I couldn't be happier. I I'm I like John Gruden. I've always enjoyed him as a coach. His character, but more importantly, his authenticity. 
the press conference that he had was phenomenal. It reminded me how much I care about football uh, because of j- people like John Gruden, the people who literally wake up every day, breathe, eat, and and, and he definitely shit. does. John, and he does. And and hearing him talk about how much he cared about the Oakland Raiders organization, nobody in the world made me could make me believe they care about the, the the Raiders as much as John Gruden does. He really truly cares. And he even said, he goes, I got to see my kids grow up. Now I get I, I get to go back to my unfinished business. He goes, my last game, I lost in the playoffs and i still feel like i owe the oakland raiders a, a, another championship i really do can't wait it'll be fun to watch uh i did read some tweets that speculated it might be because i uh, because there was some tension between him and um sean mcdonough from espn who he calls monday night football with there were some i was they reading, were not a good match. i was reading they were not i was a reading good twitter during the during the last game that they called and yeah there were some there was a lot of people who were tweeting about how they were kind of tense with one another and uh, mcdonough did keep bringing up the fact that he was about to be introduced uh, as the raiders next head coach which seemed to rub uh, chucky the wrong way um I, I don't know if i mean look Mark Davis is an old, you know, an old school guy. He wants to keep on the Raider tradition. I get that, and and so maybe bringing Gruden back is part of tradition. Part of I, I don't know. Maybe I, if it were me, and this is why probably why I'm not uh, a coaching or a, a GM in the NFL. I might have gone and looked for someone younger, somebody to inspire this team and charge this team up. You got a lot of young guys on the I, on that squad. I think Gruden definitely charges that. I team mean, he up. does. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm certainly not saying he doesn't. People but have been asking know. for years. Will Gruden come back? Is Gruden coming back to coach the Jets? Is he coming back to coach the Browns? Is he coming back to coach anyone else? And Oakland got him. If you're on yeah. that Oakland team, you like Gruden isn't that old. Gruden. He's a great football mind. He won a, a, a Super Bowl with a crummy quarterback and an elite defense. Yeah, stacked um, team. You know, so it's totally possible. Before, but before and he's we only move on. 54 years old. Before we move on to predicting the Saturday and Sunday slate of the divisional round, the sexiest round of playoffs every year, who do you think replaces Gruden in the Monday Night Football? Ooh, Sean McDonough. Uh, that's and a great whom? question. Real quick, I have my pick. I'll go first. I think you should go Sean McDonough and a duo of Randy Moss and Charles Woodson. I think those guys do great together on those crappy Sunday pregame shows. Those guys are really fun, and they go- bounce off well together. You have Sean McDonough as the straight man. You have those two just clowning around and bringing football insight. They do have great football minds in Moss and Woodson. And just have them be characters, man. Does, have McDonough go straight. Those two be characters. Does Romo have a chance? Romo's on a different uh, – he could. He'd have to be signed away from CBS which okay. is damn near impossible. I really like Ryan Clark, the former defensive back for the, yes, for the he Steelers. Is very he solid. does analysis on, on SportsCenter and a lot of their talk shows and stuff, which I don't watch a ton of, but um, he is very, very good, yeah. Um, and I really I really like him a lot. I think he provides some smart and you know fresh, young insight into it. I also like Michael Irvin a lot. I know he won't get hired away from Fox, Ugh. but I think Michael Ugh. Irvin has turned into a pretty good uh, commentator on God. football in his, in his later years. No. I, think he's, I think he's kind of smart, I, and I think I, he's Absolutely. I've talked about this guy in the past, and I've and I think I've oh, only God, seen more go. of him this year. Is Chris Spielman? Yeah, I don't like Spielman. I don't mind Spielman. I don't like Spielman. He uh, may not be good with another with another white guy. That like they're basically saying the same thing. It's not as interesting, of course. I, uh, but I, I would love to get odds on this, and we'll we'll definitely get odds for our left coasters gamblers at home when they come out. But what's the odds Jay Cutler gets in there? Zero, unless he's smoking a cigarette. All right, moving on. Let's uh, predict these Saturday games. Left coasters. And welcome back to the Left Coasters podcast. Tony Cavallo, Matthew Dangles, D'Angelo Antonio, Brian the Ballerina, Balzarini, ready to pick the Saturday slate of divisional playoff games. Before we get there, though, you can always find us on Instagram at the Left Coasters podcast, on Twitter and on Facebook under the same name. If you have any questions, you can send us an email at theleftcoasterspodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach us through the website, theleftcoasterspodcast.com. Nice work. So, 
before we move forward. Last week, we all got a grand total of one correct pick. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. We suck. After a, after a solid regular season, the playoffs starting out with a bleh. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, moving forward, though, these this round of selections, each of these games is worth two points. Two points for each win. Oh, and man. again, this is the last weekend where you must pick at least one. One underdog. I said underdog, not away team. Okay? So, let's move forward with the first game on Saturday evening. Or, I guess, late afternoon, right? Early afternoon, actually. one yeah. thirty-five Eastern time. We have the Falcons at the Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome to the playoffs, Eagles. Welcome to the playoffs. The best team in the NFC gets to host a playoff game. Woo! And they get one of the sexiest offenses in the world. It looks like they've put it all together. The defending NFC champion, Atlanta Falcons. This game's going to be fun. This game should be a lot of fun. Uh, will Atlanta's offense be consistent with its last performance? Will Matt Ryan continue to be on? And for the Eagles, I think the big question is, can the rest of their team make up for the big old question mark that sits under center, number nine, Nicholas Foles? It's an absolute question mark. And we thought he was a pretty good guy to come in and play with this Eagles offense and obviously it wasn't going to be Carson Wentz, but he could be serviceable. Those last three games in the regular season, he looked anything but serviceable and actually looked like he got worse and worse as the games went on. So, are we worried? Is Atlanta going to run through this? Is there a chance Philadelphia wins? No, I don't think they I don't think they run through it. Um, the Eagles have a very good defense. Amazing I think, defense. I think Fletcher Cox and the rest of that front four could give Matt Ryan a lot of trouble uh, if the offensive line isn't isn't playing its best football. Uh, they need to again. Julio Jones needs to take over uh, in the secondary. I think that, that oh I mean, Julio they, Jones they, for they, sure. They, yeah. He has to he has to take over in the secondary. He has to be putting uh, putting the Eagles second uh, de- defensive backs in the ground. And I mean that's that's really what it comes down to for me. If they can get the ball rolling with Devontae Freeman, that'd be great. But for me, this comes down to Julio Jones tearing the game open and Matt Ryan just being a precision a surgical passer the way that he we know he can be I think it's the only way for them to win that game Atlanta is to get the ball to Julio Jones because Devonta Freeman's not going to have a good day neither is Tevin no Coleman. they're going to stop him the up. Eagles defense is third in the league according to DVOA against the rush and that's all they have right now is that rush defense and the ability to put pressure on the quarterback that defense knows that unless it pitches a shutout they're probably not going to win this game because that Eagles offense looked inept with Nick Foles back there. So the Eagles defense knows we gotta play. We gotta come to play. And I think it's going to be the same formula from last week. It's time of possession. It's just keeping Matt Ryan on the field. Don't give Nick Foles or this Philadelphia Eagles offense any time to get rolling because if you can knock them off, there was an interesting comment that uh, one of the commentators for the Rams game said last week that the Atlanta Falcons focused on knocking Jared Goff off his lane. So instead of having a clean three-step, five-step drop in which he 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 rocks back and throws and 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 lands his uh, timed receiver, they were pushing him off his off of his comfort zone, forcing him to take side steps, forcing him to go left and right. And I think that's what Atlanta is going to try to do: is just make Nick Foles uncomfortable back there. And then when it comes to their their steady Eddie offense, just keeping time of possession all day because that's that's how you beat everybody in the uh, in the playoffs. Well, the Eagles, the the, the trouble is going to be this is not going to be a situation. Situation uh, where, like you had when the Falcons played the Cowboys, and Adrian Claiborne absolutely ate the backup uh, tackles lunch on national television. The Eagles have an excellent offensive line, and I absolutely agree with you that getting to Nick Foles and making him make 
the, uh, the right decision in the pocket with no time to do so is the way to do it. Um, but it's going to be a task for Atlanta to get to him. They have not been a prolific sack team this year. Vic Beasley, who led the league in sacks last year, has been nowhere to be found. But their on that DBs, front. their DBs are are world class. They've been playing as well as any any secondary uh, in the NFL right now. So Alshon um, Jeffries really got got to get open. If, I don't think. I mean, I I would I would presume that Alshon Jeffrey might not catch a ball in this game. He might just be a decoy the whole might time. Smith. This game is involved with one thing, and it goes off your time of possession thing, and it has to do with the fact that GM, maybe GM of the year, Howie Roseman, built this team to do one thing, and that's run the ball. Yeah. You have LeGarrette Blunt and also Jay Ajayi back there, and they will run the ball 20 times each and pound and pound and pound because it is going to be cold, it is going to be windy, yes. and it is going to be outdoor. Playoff and this football. is an indoor dome team, this fast-track offense coming to your place. You're going to want to win this game. You're going to want this game to be like Jacksonville-Buffalo was last week. And that is a boring game for us viewers to watch, but that is a game that you can take control of. I want to see J.J. touch the ball at least 25 times in this game because he can get it rolling. Todd Gurley had a great average against this Atlanta team. The fact that Ellie didn't run the ball more with him is is a question for others. But Jay Ajay should be able to have not he's not as good as Gurley, obviously, but that offensive line is as good as LA, and they should be able to run the ball on this Atlanta team. And for the Eagles, I mean, the other thing I think you know for me that sticks out is that Nick Foles doesn't necessarily have to be a world beater in this game to win. He could go for 230 yards and three touchdowns, and the Eagles could very well win. He doesn't have to be excellent. He doesn't have to be Tom Brady. No. He's just got to be good. And I've said this with other quarterbacks like Blake Bortles before, and he's a completely different story. But this is really a situation where if you limit turnovers, absolutely right, Brian, and if you just are good enough and you can throw for two or three touchdowns, get in for one on the ground, you stand a chance to win in this game. I'm pretty sure this is the first time I read earlier today in the NFL history that a six seed has been favored against a one seed exactly. in divisional are they really in the favored? weekend. They are favored by, a field by goal. three points. Atlanta is favored by three points. Now, if you're normally a gambling man, you know that home field advantage usually gives the team that is home three points on their side. So they're picking on a neutral field. Atlanta is a six-point better team than Philadelphia, favored by three points on the line. So, guys, let's uh, bring it no further. Who wins this game? Atlanta, the sixth seed, traveling to Philadelphia, the best team in the NFC record-wise, with their backup quarterback, Nick Foles. I'm going to go to Dangles first, buddy. Atlanta or Philadelphia? Uh, I'm going to go with Philly here. At home, the one seed to win this game. I know it's not going to be an easy ride for them, um, and I know I know that some people may think that I'm absolutely out of my mind. I think this Eagles team knows that everyone doubts them, um, and I think they're going to be playing with that kind of intensity. I also think that you can't underestimate how important home field advantage is going to be here for the Eagles as as the number one seed. Um, and I, I really do think if they can get that running game going, Nick Foles just has to be decent, and that defense just needs to hold up. But it really does kind of come down to, at your point, Tony, of getting that run game going. They have a lot of tools. They have guys that can do different things. If they can keep the Falcons' defense off balance and give Nick Foles some opportunities to complete passes by opening that game up with the run, I, they stand a chance here. I like Philly to win here as the underdogs. I will say I am not confident in Doug Peterson's play-calling abilities. He likes to be the Mike McCarthy pass his way out of a running situation, and they need to focus on the run here. I'm also not a huge fan of the defensive backs in Philly, and I think Julio Jones has the chance to burn them to the ground. And Julio Jones is, again, the best player on the field in this in this playoff game. But I'm picking Philly as well. I think that home field advantage is huge. I do think the weather's going to play a factor in this game, and I think Philly has the ability 
the defense is great in Philadelphia, and no one believes in the one seed. That's scary when no one believes in the one seed. So Dangles and I are on Philly. Brad Guy, your pick. I am going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I really want to pick Philly, but I also see a team in Atlanta that has been playing much, much better in the second half of the season. Mm. They finished that that regular season very, very, very strong. So this is not a once-over uh, thing uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. I think they know how to win in the playoffs. And I think the Philadelphia Eagles, although they are at home, and I really think their defense is so freaking good. That defensive front is fantastic. I just have... I just have a lot of faith in the Atlanta Falcons team to to scheme their way into a victory here because they have so many they have so many moving pieces that are so good. And if Julio Jones is just but a, uh, an option for Matt Ryan, and you still have the likes of uh, Muhammad Sanu and Hooper, and I mean they worked the ball around and they looked well oiled. The only thing I can say about the Atlanta Falcons that they should have done last week that they that they need to do this week, they need not rely so heavily on Matt Bryant. Matt Bryant kicked them into a strong oh, he strong was great. He was he fantastic. Was so yeah, that's fa- not going to cut it if you uh continue You will on lose this road. game. You will lose this game in a strong, windy, cold Philadelphia day if you were going to rely on Matt Bryant to win you this game. You need touchdowns over field goals and then rely on Matt Bryant if your defense can't hold strong against an, uh, a surging Nick Foles. You know, rely on re- keep the game tight, but I think the Atlanta Falcons come out on vic- come out with a victory on this one. All right, there you go. Bryce on Atlanta. Dang and I take Philly. Moving on to game number two. Next, we have the Titans at the New England Patriots at 5.15 Pacific Standard Time. All right. I'm ready. I'm so ready. You ready? You ready, ready Dangles? Now, was this the best possible (laughs) scenario for you? So, so much better than facing the Chiefs. Uh, This is preferable. Not not a team to underestimate uh, by any means. You can't. Because after what happened last week, when, when you've got a team that's throwing touchdown passes to itself, the, the quarter where the quarterback, I should say, is throwing touchdown passes to himself, you should be worried. Um, but I will also say that anything short of a victory by at least a touchdown oh is an embarrassment for the New England Patriots. I think in the, if you're Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, they, they must win. I mean, if you lose, it's an absolute embarrassment. They need to win this game. Does it worry you, Dangles, that Tennessee had the eighth-best rushing offense over the over the season? I mean, and New England had the 30th worst rushing yes. defense in the season. Well, that's exactly what in I was... a cold, blistery New England day. The first thing I was going to point to as how the Titans might just pull this off is uh, is, is is by well is by Derrick Henry continuing to do what he's done. The, 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 the Titans are a much better running team statistically when Derrick Henry is on the field than when DeMarco Murray has been on the field. So I think the fact that he's not playing this weekend or is not looking like he's going to play will work in, uh, to their advantage. Does it scare you that Derrick Henry... Henry is larger, physically larger than every one of the linebackers that will be trying to tackle him this Sunday. It, it does. I do. I, I am uh, excited that Kyle Van Noy is going to be back, yes, or it looks huge. like Kyle that's Van huge. Noy is going to be back. That is huge. What my concern is is because the running game is, or the running defense is so poor that if Derrick Henry finds a way to get into the secondary, it's pretty much over. There's no way those defensive backs are going to be able to track him down. Absolutely He's a 250 pound wrecking ball. He had 150 yards in the second. I mean, you just week. you just 
can't. And the tough and the tough part about Mariota is, you know, that he's he's he. You have to the way that they're going to beat him offensively and make sure that he doesn't beat you is keep him in the pocket, make him pass. Mariota is not a good pocket passer. No. He's very good at throwing on the run, and he's very good at you know at 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 beating you with his legs. I think if you you're going to see a lot of zone coverage out of the Patriots, you're going to see them spying him all day long. Uh, but I think you're going to see you're going to see them trying to limit the amount that he's able to get outside the pocket, make him pass, make him. The, the Titans are a terrible team throwing the ball long yes. down the field. Yes. If you make them beat you deep, they're going to have a tough time uh, winning, even with the Patriots' run defense being bad. Does the uh, reported rifts in the Patriots' front office worry you at all? No, not really. Um, I've had some time to ruminate on this piece and and the the impact and hear some stuff that people in Boston are saying and how it's being received in New England. And I mean, I I, I don't I don't know that I, I I don't know that I think anymore that it's it was a hit piece necessarily on the Patriots. Um, I think there were some things in there that you probably could have foreseen coming. It doesn't blow my mind that Brady was wary of the fact that Garoppolo was coming up behind him uh, and, you know, that he might have expressed at some point some, you know, the fact that I think I basically I think that the Patriots traded Garoppolo away because Kraft is loyal to Brady and they won't admit that for for whatever reason. And so maybe there is a little bit of in that sense. I don't know. There's some discord. The report itself doesn't scare me. The Patriots have made Ben Bill Belichick has made his career out of eliminating distractions from the locker room, out of keeping the guys in his on his roster focused on one thing, and that is football. That is whoever is next week. He's won five world championships with it and i don't see any reason why um you know some half-baked piece from an espn writer who's gone after the patriots before should have any um bearing on what the patriots do will you perform a uh japanese style i believe it's a seppuku where you stuff a samurai sword through your gut to take yourself out if the bill belichick becomes a head coach of the giants next season yes Okay. Uh, provided Just that it is sure. provided that the seppuku is plastic, or that the sword is plastic, Just uh, and sure. that it and is retractable, and, um, and retractable. Here, Tony, Tony, do you think he will? He will what? Become the coach of the Giants? What, what do you is, think the percentage of that? Bill Belichick is not zero. almost zero. The New England Patriots. There, there, There's there, no chance uh, in hell. I want to dangle to leaves. get angry there because that is the stupidest fucking story I've read in a long, long time. And ESPN should be ashamed that they put it out, and it did nothing. But guarantee New England in the Super Bowl. It did absolutely <laughs> nothing but form them to come closer together. When Tom Brady threw on his Instagram the quote, Fate whispers to the warrior, you cannot withstand the storm. The warrior whispers back, I am the storm. Yeah. It gelled I saw this that. motherfucking storm together, and New England will run through Tennessee. And although I've 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 put up all these things about Tennessee does this, Tennessee does that, Tennessee does this, Tennessee does that, the New England Patriots are not losing to the Tennessee Titans opening up divisional weekend. Absolutely, it's not. essentially a preseason game for them. It do, it it doesn't happen. No, there's no, no situation where this absolutely happens. not. Tom, I mean, Tom Brady is going to now. If you can, <laughs> if you're the Titans, you're going to want to bring a lot of pressure. You're going to want to bring it from the. Uh, you're going to 
it. bring it from the inside. No, because bring if you it. bring pressure on Brady from the outside, he steps up in the pocket as well as anybody else bring in it. the world. Bring pressure from the inside, and you'll make his life hell. I think you got to get could, through the offensive line. I think you could sit half the team for New England, and they'd beat the Tennessee Titans. I don't think you should have one completion of Gronk today. Put him, put Gronk on the sideline. Put the cover over him. Let let you let yourself take the motorcycle out next week. All right, put Gronk away. Let's just pass the Amendola and Hogan and Malcolm mm. Mitchell. Run the ball with Gillisley. Just get through. Tennessee. Not sure stinks. if Mitchell's going uh, pl- going to play this weekend, no, I but don't think he does. it was reported today that some uh, that a Patriots staffer was spotted walking through the locker room with a Malcolm M- Mitchell jersey. So make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh, oh. Brian. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stake my claim and pick New England. You don't need to make a pick now because you haven't talked I, about this game at all. I'm I'm gonna pick New England, but if I were a coach for the Tennessee Titans, the first thing I would tell my my team in the locker room leading up into this game, I'd say to every single one of them, Hey, guess what? Nobody's giving you guys a chance, and I'm not gonna you know I wouldn't even start off by by pretending that this is gonna be a, an easy game. But here's the deal. We are all grown-ass men in this room, and nobody's, nobody's knocking us in the teeth and, and taking anything away from us before, before we got something to say about it. And I think what the tit- Tennessee Titans need to really think about is how do, how they, do they want to go into the offseason? And they're, they're, they're the, one of the least likeliest teams to, to go into the Super Bowl. So what, do, what does everybody here want to be remembered for the 2017 season? And I think Marcus Mariota still has a shit ton to prove. And I think what we saw last week was when you give Marcus Mariota some free reign to do what Marcus Mariota does best, at the very least, he makes it interesting. That catch that he had to himself was goddamn unbelievable. And very lucky. That that, but that's it. That's that's what made him a, a great quarterback at Oregon was that he literally just ran around and made plays when when he had them available to him. When you put Marcus Mariota in a really tight uh, uh, box, he's not going to get himself no. uh, touchdowns. He's not going to make those plays like you said. He's better on the run than he is in the pocket. Don't make him a pocket passer. Let him do all those dips and dunks. And if I were the Tennessee Titans, I would have no qualms about just letting the trick plays go. You've got nothing to lose, and that's the only way I think you surprise this team in, in in New England. Other than that, you better just hope Tom Brady isn't on the isn't on like he's more than likely going to be. And you know, with Gronk just I mean, Travis Kelsey before he got he got that concussion for the Kansas was City destroying Chiefs, Tennessee. he was absolutely demolishing. Destroying the, Tennessee. The trouble the trouble with the trick plays thing is that in order to run trick plays, you have to have a creative, right. innovative offense. And Mike Malarkey and the offense, but they don't have that. In Tennessee, whoever it is, yeah, Terry Rubisky. I triple option every single freaking. Congratulations, play. Tennessee! You won a playoff game. You secured Mike Malarkey a future in Tennessee and Dick LeBeau too. But Brady's record against Dick LeBeau, or I should say, he's thrown 19 touchdowns and three interceptions against his games in his games against Dick LeBeau completed 68% of his passes and has a QB rating of 110 against all Dick well, LeBeau and to counter defenses. my and to counter my own my own point what is Dick LeBeau known for blitzing so I mean if Brady's got those, those kind of stats against a blitzing defense he made he's probably not going to have trouble this weekend I, I think the Patriots win this yeah. game uh, and night, I'm Tennessee. basing uh, basing it on one stat and one stat alone the Patriots are seven and zero this year when Jim Nance and Tony Romo <laughs> call their games. <laughs> and guess who's behind the mic? Guess who's up in the booth this weekend? It's going to be Jim and Tony for the win. Go, Pats, go. And I think to your point, too, to this being a preseason-like game, the Patriots better start thinking how how they're going to match up against a Steeler team or even potentially a Jacksonville Jaguar team. But like watching 
what Derrick Henry does to their defense. If Derrick Henry has a day, then you, you, we need to start talking about how the, the Patriots are going to make sure this defense uh, does them does them well later in the in the playoffs. All right, let's move on to Sunday, baby. Go Pats, go. Left coasters. And now we are on to Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. But before we get there, we must thank our man David Boza over at Helmet.World on Instagram and Helmet.World on Facebook. We put up some pictures of the stuff that he sent us, our three little left coasters helmets. They are awesome. They are Brian the Ballerina's designs of our logos, and David Bosa put these things to work and just makes these replica helmets. You can get them that size, or you can get them full size. You can go hit people in your office with them when they piss you off. It's perfect. <laughs> you can chrome plate them. You can put a visor on them. He can do whatever you want to these helmets. Go check them out at helmet.world on Instagram and helmet.world on Facebook. Tell him the left coast just send you, and he'll hook you up. Thanks again, David. Let's move on to Sunday. Left Coasters. Starting us off this Sunday, we have the Jaguars at the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> at 10.05 Pacific Standard Time on N. B oh, no man. CBS. How did we get here? How did we get here where we're logo? talking about the Jaguars into the second round of the playoffs? I mean, I don't know how we got there. Did you see that game against Buffalo? Oh, that was the ugliest God. game of football I've seen in a long, long time. I saw Dangles, I think it was that evening, and I remember saying to him, I have never seen a quarterback look as though he wouldn't make his high school football team in the playoffs of the NFL. Blake Bortles, man. He was a new kind of bad. Hyperbolic, you know, Talk aside, truly, this gentleman d did not look in the first half of that game like he did belonged on an NFL football Doug team. Doug Marone, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, was quoted afterwards saying, you need to play better if you want to keep your job. This is a team that's in a divisional round. <laughs> <laughs> that's something you game hear from a 3-13 coach. Yeah. Blake Bortles, yeah. game um, to game. He was also quoted as saying he would he would he would be a f you know foolish not to be concerned about the offense's <laughs> performance. Uh, this was an all time poor showing for Blake Bortles and gun shy, I mean, just gun shy for Leonard Fournette for everyone on that offense. I mean, Bortles was lucky that he was able to make some stuff happen with his legs that he scrambled them uh, to to the win in that game. Uh, I mean, it was a defensive struggle the whole game long, which you had to expect. From from these two coaches and from these two teams, based on Bortles based is lucky. on Buffalo's what we, inept. Yeah, no, they're they're very lucky because for some reason, and I was just sitting on my couch laughing as I was watching the game. <laughs> Blake Bortles continued to run the ball, and Buffalo over and over did nothing. No, they did no nothing. No, they did at no point did they Put ever spy did on they, him. Did they ever go to to uh, their what's their fucking linebacker's name? Alexander or Preston Brown? And Anyone? Go, hey, um. Just spy him. <laughs> I mean, spy him. Do anything. He's not going to throw not, it very much. He's, he's not, not going to throw it very long. Extraordinary fast. No. Eli Manning ran a faster forty time at the combine. This is not, not an true. athlete. That's no. not this true. is not an athlete. That's this not a, true. This is a man that uh, again they brought this graphic up, up over and over and over again. I did not make this up. They announced it on the telecast. This is a man that over and over and over again he he was he's fourth in the league all time. On most yards per rush by a quarterback with over 200 attempts, he's fourth in the league all time at it. So he finds these holes and rushes because no one expects him to. But you have to make adjustments if you're in the NFL. God damn it. You were in this game. You could have won this I game. Never My upset pick could have been correct. <laughs> I've never seen a, t a player play not to lose. Like truly, if you asked me what's the definition of not playing, uh, playing not to lose, I would put the Blake Bortles first and second quarter of that game 
on and say that is a quarterback who is so scared of losing the game for his team that he can't even complete a screen pass in which he has no pressure in his face, yet he still throws off the back of his foot and rubber arms it five yards in front of the running back. It was uh, astonishing. He so, stinks. Yes. So okay. the so question is, Blake Bortles is bad. The question is, now <laughs> that you're now playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, what does Blake Bortles do now? Uh, he hopes and prays that his defense repeats their regular season antics or against the- Pittsburgh in when Ben Roethlisberger threw five interceptions to this Jacksonville defense. That happened this ca- oh, not that this was a calendar real year, this regular season. Five interceptions. Big Ben was quoted afterwards saying, maybe I don't just have it anymore. <laughs> He's he an Hall of Famer said who said, I don't have it anymore oh. against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Five interceptions. That's all Blake Bortles can hope yeah, for. Yeah, but Ben Roethlisberger is also the kind of quarterback who, yes, a future Hall of Famer, but he could be, he can be an absolute star and like the pariah of your team. Not even on the same drive, like not even within the same so game. Does this guy is Jacksonville up do and this down. again to him? No, um, I mean to your your point about the 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 interceptions. They also returned two picks for touchdowns. Yep. The last time that happened to the Steelers, where well, not two. The last time anyone turned a Fumble, returned a fumble or an interception for a touchdown against the Steelers was in 2013. It was Julius Peppers, and he was still on the Bears then. It hasn't happened in four years. I mean, I think that game was an anomaly. Not only the defensive just uh, complete and total shut mel- or shutdown that the Jaguars had, but also the five-pick performance. The, the, the Jaguars' offense is not sustainable, and this is every week I've been saying their defense is good enough to win them games. The offense just has to be okay. This is where that ends. The buck stops now and here because it's the playoffs and you're playing against the big boys. You're playing against the most dynamic offense in the NFL, arguably, with with a couple of with with two of the most dynamic skill position players in Le'Veon Bell and assuming he's healthy, Antonio Brown. That's the big and assumption. There's the there's the other one. But we've seen what the Steelers look like without Antonio Brown, and they seem to do just fine yes. with Martavis Bryant and Juju Smith Schuster. Sure, but who were they playing when Juju went off? The f- Cleveland Browns, fellas. All right. In a meaningless Week 17 matchup, Jacksonville's yes. pass defense is good enough to literally put a zipper on Juju and Martavis and Jesse James and Vance McDonald and not let them do anything. If Antonio Brown does not play, the Pittsburgh is going to be in trouble with passing the football. Granted, Le'Veon can win you a game, and that defense is pretty good as well, but I'm also scared that I think Leonard Fournette has a huge day against this Pittsburgh team because... We just got a report, or this week we got a report from the father of Ryan Shazier, the fact that that man has feeling in his legs again is spectacular. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing that this man has feeling in his legs again. Although this came a month after the injury happened, and it's the first piece of news we've gotten, which means it was a worst-case scenario when he got hit in the field like that, which is devastating. Putting putting thoughts and well well wishes aside, that is a huge loss for the middle of that Pittsburgh defense. There is no one that can replace him. And Leonard Fournette is going to be able to run on this team. You're not going to be able to pass. Blake Borders ain't going to do it. I think Leonard Fournette has a chance to have a huge day, and he holds the key to moving on to New England. Yeah, well, and with but with with James Harrison gone, it falls on one guy, and that's Bud Dupree, he can't uh, the stop. young guy out of can't out, of, out of Kentucky, and he's very good, but he's not going to be able to be the presence that Ryan Shazier was. I absolutely agree. If I'd be scared. I'd be scared if I was Pittsburgh. You can't overlook this Jacksonville team. No, as bad as Bortles is, you cannot. You can't. But it do, and it does. It, I mean, it rises and falls with the offense. You know, if you're and if you're Pittsburgh, 
I'm playing the what Jaguars wide receivers are not that good. Oh, they terrible. can be explosive. So I'm playing man coverage just about all day long on these guys. Make the wide receivers beat you by beating being better route runners than the defensive backs are defenders. Make them beat you that way because that's going to force Blake Bortles to beat you with his arm. We know he can do it with his legs and the Jaguars are more than happy to play small ball and head into the half at three apiece and score a touchdown in the second half and that's all they need. They don't care if they beat you 30 to 9 or 10 to 3. I would like to know what is the lowest amount of passes thrown in a playoff game where that team won the game. Because I think that's what Jacksonville is shooting for. I think Bortles might not throw at all, and they might just run the ball down the throat of this Pittsburgh defense, assuming they, uh, they don't let Pittsburgh score a bunch on the other side. Let's go to picks. Brad Guy, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Who do you think wins? I mean, I think Pittsburgh goes in uh, goes into this game and just absolutely crushes Jacksonville because I really think the hoop in this case is pretty large for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've got everything they need to win this game by a lot. I think Ben Roethlisberger does what Ben Roethlisberger does best. And and, and, and let's keep in mind that what makes these teams, like the New England Patriots, very successful year in and year out is the coaching. They They have plays that they save for the playoffs. They literally have a game plan for the playoffs because they know that they stack up well man-to-man, uh, scheme-to-scheme against most teams of the regular season. Pittsburgh Steelers know and, and have ready a game plan to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Ben Roethlisberger is a playoff two-time winning Super Bowl for a reason, and I think he's going to do it again, and he's going to sh- and he's going to carve this Jacksonville Jaguars defense up, not because they're bad, but because it's Ben Roethlisberger, and it's and, and, and he knows how to, to operate in these situations. And I don't think he's going to give the Jaguars... Um, uh, I think he's going to give them uh, a run for their money. I think you're going to see a lot of balls that wouldn't normally get get completed uh, on on this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. But because again, it's Ben Roethlisberger and the threat of Le'Veon Bell and the schemes that they can run, mm. uh, it, it, it's 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 going to make the ja- Jaguars team this very young team skittish. Diggity dangles with the Chinese chicken. What do you got? <laughs> uh, well, you guys remember what happened last week when the Rams and the Falcons met, and you know oh, we had we had a situation with a young team running into a playoff buzzsaw with experience and moxie and and the know-how and the stick-to-itiveness to come back uh, to be in the playoffs year after year after year. Uh, I think that's what happens to the mm. Jaguars this week and the Steelers are just they Mike Tomlin is too good in the playoffs. He's smart um, and he's going to have his guys at 100 for this game. I'm picking Pittsburgh to win this at home. I'm sorry, Jacksonville. I've rode you all year long. I have believed in you when nobody else would. Uh, picked plenty of games that Tony and Brian did not for the Jaguars to win. Um, but this is where it ends, unfortunately, on a cold, cold Sunday in Pittsburgh. That's going to be another thing for them. They're not used to playing uh, in the cold. And I think this this team is just too experienced and just too good. That's all right, Jacksonville. Your boy left you, but you can come on home to daddy because I'm picking you to win this wow. game against Pittsburgh. I just think this is a terrible, terrible matchup for a Pittsburgh team that the whole season has played down to their competition. They almost let Brett Hundley and my Green Bay Packers come in and beat them in Pittsburgh, where they let Brett Hundley look like an all-star. And you can ask any Packer, I think they would want Blake Bortles to be their quarterback over Brett Hundley for those games. Brett Hundley stunk, and Pittsburgh made him look like an all-star. 
I'm a little bit worried in the fact that Jacksonville's rushing offense can beat up Pittsburgh's defensive line and defensive linebackers. I'm a little worried that Big Ben might have some mistakes that cost him the game in these interceptions. And I'm worried that Le'Veon Bell gets beaten up enough that they find a way to not run the ball. And Jacksonville steals one in Pittsburgh. If, if he plays... That Antonio Brown Jalen Ramsey matchup is going to be fun. Must to watch TV. Watch. Must watch TV. I'm also worried that Antonio Brown is not as healthy as they are making him out to be. I think they would try to hold him out of this game and save him fully healthy for New England, and it will cost them. Jacksonville wins this game. I'm going with that. Moving on to the best game of the week. Might be what will turn out to be the best game of the year. Brian. At 1.40 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have the New Orleans Saints at the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. How is this not the NFC Championship? How is this not the NFC Championship game? And that will be on Fox. Wow. Stream it. Enjoy it. All right. Let's start with a little history. Game one, week one of the NFL season this year, Saints versus Minnesota. Minnesota goes to the Dome, and they win by 10 points, 29-19. Throw it out the door. That sets the, pre- that Throw sets out the, the precedent door. for where we're at right now. Throw it out the door. Yeah. You can't, you can't look at that game at all. Sam Bradford was the QB on one side. Adrian Peterson was the focal point on another side. These two teams are completely <laughs> and utterly different. Uh, also, they started two rookies at cornerback in that New Orleans game. Those two rookies turned out to be who they are now. You know what I mean? Like Kamara turned out to be who he is now. New Orleans is a completely different team. Minnesota is a completely different team. I would say this, guys. Let, let's break this down as we would the Super Bowl, okay? Start off, who has the better quarterback? Drew Brees or Case Keenum? Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Okay. All right. sure point, point for New Orleans. Point for New Orleans. Who has the better rushing offense, New Orleans or Minnesota? New Orleans. Yeah, probably New okay. Orleans. All right. Okay, okay. We got passing and offense. Basically, all offense is on New Orleans' side. Who is the better head coach, Zimmer or Sean Payton? Well, it depends on how you define better. Uh, I'd give Who it to would Payton. you rather have as your head coach? I'd give it to Zimmer Payton. or Sean Payton? Mm, Payton. I think Payton, too. New Orleans got three points right now. New Orleans has three points heading into this. Who has the better defense, Minnesota or New Orleans? Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay, that's a big one. That's a big one. Who has the home field advantage? Minnesota. 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 Mm-hmm. So Special teams. Special teams, I mean, you know, they kind of both stink. I wouldn't like either of them. I don't like, uh, uh, I like who's, who's the kicker for, for Kai Forbath? Kai. Yep. He's the kicker not for good. Minnesota. He's no, not good. Will, He's not reliable. Will Lutz just doesn't have a name that resounds confidence. He had a good game last he game. He did have a good game in Carolina. Special teams kind of a wash for me. Who has the best player on the field? That would have to be it. It's got to be the. Uh, be the it's got to be the Saints and Alvin Kamara. I think, you think he so? is Drew or Brees. Drew Brees or Drew Brees. Uh, it's either Drew I mean, Brees or it's Cameron on the on the defensive side of the ball. In my opinion, well, like, no love for the defensive backs in Minnesota, huh? No, I think they are the best defensive back core in the league, and they have two of the best players at their certain position. But in the cornerback Howard and in the safety uh, uh, Harrison Smith, you could parcel the positions all you want, but mm. when you ask the one question, who's the better team? Mm. Who plays better together? Mm-hmm. Who has the better pieces? That is a different question than simply adding up the sum of the parts. Synergy is a huge component. Do to you this. think this Minnesota team, that's the two seed in the NFL, that has won the NFC North in week, I think, 14, ran away with it. Do you think this Minnesota team is overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Properly rated. Oh. I think so as well. Here's why. Because when you look at the fact that Case Keenum, by stats alone, was one of the top three quarterbacks, top three quarterbacks in the league this year, you can't deny 
that over the course of this season, that young man has been tested up and down against really good teams. Mind you, he beat Los Angeles in Los Angeles. Mm. So you can't deny that this team is has been has been scouted, has been has been schemed against, and and coaches, good coaches, Sean McVay, mm. Wade Phillips couldn't figure the answer to this Minnesota offense. So so that's that's the reality that 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 and it is why they're sitting at the second second piece and they they have a home game yeah. against the New Orleans. I'm so Saints. excited for this. I game. mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be I'm a so great it's gonna be game. a great tilt. I I'm mean, t- I'm asking you guys what, these questions because I don't know who I want to pick. I, I mean, <laughs> I think I think that like you said though, like honestly, this could be in my opinion, and it will be the the answer to who goes to the Super Bowl for the NFC. Yes, I fully this, agree. This is honest because yeah, this is the toughest game the Vikings potentially stand to face there's no hotter team than the new orleans saints right now no because you know no matter what happens in 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 the other game i think that's a favorable favorable matchup for if if i'm the minnesota vikings i'm happy to play uh philadelphia and make nick Foles' life a living hell and i'm happy to play atlanta uh and just when atlanta won i said they just got run all over them they just got gifted a, a path to the super bowl uh, the Saints, on the other hand, that again, this is going to be the brick in the wall. That if you can get through this, you can you can beat anybody. And then and that to me includes the new uh, the New England Patriots. Yeah, I mean all the all these numbers match up the same. The third best passing offense in the league against the fifth best pass defense in the league for New Orleans. Minnesota has the 18th rushing offense. It's the lowest number out of all these offenses. But New Orleans has the 23rd rushing defense. So it's a, it's sort of a both weaknesses yeah. are matching up there. I true like you've even got special two teams, teams are with, inside. With, you've got two teams nothing. that have versatile running games. Yes, you have two teams with high end, um, high power receivers. You yes. know, you've got guys who can go down the field and make plays, and you've got good route runners on both sides. It's really hard to um, to, to to put a difference here. I think. I think for I mean if you're gonna if, if <laughs> I hate to be cliche but this is a game where defense wins championships I think does it or do you go with the quarterback like yes Case Keenum has had a wonderful year but you're talking about Drew Brees or Case Keenum you, you would take Drew Brees a hundred times out of a hundred I mean it I think, really depends on I what think your gut ever, feeling is I think is. Everson Griffin is maybe the best pass rusher in the NFL um, at least who played this year there were some big injuries but I, I mean they're gonna get to Drew Brees that offensive line is good not mm. great in yeah. New Orleans they're going to they're going to get to him and Case Keenum like Brian said playing the best football of his life right now um I, I think he I think he's going to continue to do it I mean if we're going to you know I I'd like the Vikings to win this one oh, I'm tough, I, I'm man. picking Minnesota to win at home this is this is difficult um but I mean you saw look the 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 Panthers made Drew Brees win the game. They shut down Alvin Kamara. They shut down Mark Ingram. The running game never really got going for New Orleans. It came down to a you know a good old fashioned Drew Brees slinging the ball around for three hundred plus yards, finding yeah. his man in the end zone for touchdown. And the defense is doing something it hasn't ever it hasn't done in recent history in New Orleans, which is actually exist. How happy must Kenny Vaccaro be after all these years of playing on crappy defenses? I still like New Orleans. Uh, I'm sorry, Minnesota to win this I just I think the defense is going to give Drew Brees too much trouble um and I mean yeah I, I really think it comes down to that that's where I'm going is the defense I truly have no idea Brian we know who you're going to pick because you have yet to take an underdog and this is the only under uh, game left so you're taking the New Orleans Saints yeah, exactly I I really like what the New Orleans Saints have against the Minnesota Vikings I agree a hundred percent angles that this would not surprise me one bit if you saw 
a stymied rushing attack for the Saints become their their Achilles heel and the recipe for stopping Drew Brees because Drew Brees let's not forget two games ago against the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers at Tampa Bay lost that game because of his mistakes the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who do not have a great defense showed the way in which in the light if you so to speak to stopping Drew Brees and that's getting this rushing attack out of the way and then forcing the offensive line to keep Drew Brees upright and and this is not while this I, I have to say that Mike Thomas when he came out of the draft I never expected him to be this good. Mike Thomas is the real deal, people. If you oh for sure. If 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 you ever want to watch one of the best young receivers in this game, outside of the 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 big names you hear every year, the Odell Beckhams, the uh, the, the AJ Greens, you're gonna want to look this weekend at number thirteen in the white gold and black this kid is the real deal and i think if i if if my if my gut is telling me right i think mike thomas is going to have a huge day against xavier rhodes i think this this young man is the is the real deal if there's a corner you're going to go off on in that secondary it's going to be xavier rhodes no it's not yes it is xavier rhodes got toasted is the best xavier rhodes got toasted by marvin marvin jones and the detroit lions and the detroit lions have a very similar scheme to Sean Payton. Xavier Rhodes is an all-pro. He's very he's good. He's a good quarterback, Tony, but, but he gets beat. He gets as a quarterback. To he's an all-pro. On pro. the team. Xavier Rhodes is an all-pro. That whole freaking secondary is no. all-pro. It's slim pickings. You, you throw away from Mar- uh, Harrison as much as you can. You you, you try to do – Drew Brees is going to have to do his best faking out of the season to get uh, Harrison off of his uh, off of his tail in the safety you know, position. Ju- just and you go and you go full tilt at Xavier Rhodes because he's been beat by, by, by lesser – Wide receivers, uh, I think Mike you, Thomas. I think you're so wrong. For just because you made me angry, I'm going Minnesota. Good for uh, you. I want I want Minnesota now to win this game, and I want Xavier Rhodes to have a pick six as Drew Brees as he fights through Michael Thomas for to get to the ball. I think Xavier Rhodes is one of the best players in the NFL, and I hate that he's on Minnesota because he plays Green Bay twice a year and kills us. Anyway, I'll take Minnesota, but truly, I am torn on this game because there are there are there are factors, there are pros on both teams, and there's not a lot of cons on either team, so it's very very hard to pick. The only thing that I will say that that it, it's tough, the fact that Carolina was able to move the ball as well as they did against that New Orleans Saints defense, and they did it mostly throughout the pass. They did it mostly throughout the pass, and Carolina had no one to throw to. The wide receivers and tight ends on Minnesota are vastly better than the ones that uh, Cam Newton was thrown to in Carolina. So if Case Keenum can stay upright, and if that offensive line can give him a pocket, I think Case Keenum can find players and Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph and even the McKinnon screens. They will find open holes and be able to move the ball against this New Orleans team. So I'm going to go with Minnesota. Some, one quick uh, thing to note is the New Orleans Saints uh, had a very tough uh, schedule at the end of the year. The Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings' last three games, which were wins, Cincinnati, Green Bay, who they only beat 16 to nothing. And Chicago, 23-10. So having a week off, having three light games going into the season, will Minnesota be ready for the New Orleans Saints? We shall see. And with that, that is the divisional weekend of the Left Coasters podcast. Again, guys, listen at home. These are the best games of the year. 
these are the best games of the Make year. They always have been. They always have. They always will be. So, other than that Tennessee New England game, we're looking for three very competitive games here. Uh, as for the picks, we're all over the place. It'll be interesting to see where we all stand next week. We won't all have one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. No possible not. chance there. And uh, yeah, that's it. Goodbye, guys. See you. See you next week. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.